Welcome to The Verb with Heather Hallman, where each week she explores a different life-changing verb in the Bible to connect you with Jesus and a new way to live each day. With your host, Dr. Heather Hallman. Welcome back to The Verb. I'm your host, Heather Holloman, and I cannot wait to share with you um, this kind of last set of podcasts related to our chosen identity. We've been talking about what it means to know that we're chosen for Christ and all the privileges of what it means to be a child of God. But I really wanted to share this one passage in Scripture, 1 Peter 2.9, and talk today about a really bizarre moment I had in this passage of Scripture related to a title that God gives us that's very unique, very powerful. It actually may change everything about your identity like it did for me. So let me read the passage to you. 1 Peter 2.9, Peter writes this about um, our identity. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That is a beautiful passage of scripture. I mean, this is this is something that we could talk about for the rest of the year. Um, you know, think about it. We've been talking about this chosen identity. That's clear. You're a chosen people. We understand that phrase. You know, we don't need to live in rejection. God chose you for himself. There's also this idea of the holy nation, that God is building a kingdom of followers for himself. And, you know, we talked also about that we're God's treasured possession, how God uniquely cares for us, protects us, delights in us. Okay, no one in my 43 years of living has ever taught me what it means to identify myself as part of a royal priesthood, and it is a bizarre title. So let me set the stage for you. When I read this passage, I was actually dealing with a lot of insecurity about my job title. If you know anything about Penn State, um, in the last couple of years, they've really redefined what our academic titles are. So if you're new to the academic world, you know, you can either be a distinguished professor, a full professor, an associate professor, an assistant professor, you know, an associate teaching professor, an assistant teaching professor, you know, it goes down the line, you know, you can be a senior lecturer, a lecturer. Well, because I'm full-time on staff with crew, I take a part-time designation at Penn State. So even though I have a PhD, even though I lead grad seminars, even though I do curriculum development and, you know, direct the advanced writing program for the humanities, I have the lowest title. I have no title. The lowest designation available in the academic world is mine. Sometimes I really struggled with this. Sometimes I actually sit in my kitchen and I have been known to cry because I feel like I've I've missed this title that I could have had if I if I didn't become um, you know go into ministry. I, I miss this title. Now some of you may be feeling that way right now. You know, there's a lot of people I talk to and they think about okay, here's the highest title I could ever receive in my career. You know, when is that going to happen to me? Or you know, maybe you're a college student listening and people are like, you know, what are you going to do with your degree? You know, the subtext of that is really, when are you going to have it all together? When are you going to have the title in our culture that will finally mean you become somebody? So I'm standing in my kitchen and then I remember this phrase, royal priesthood, and a couple things happened in my heart with the Lord. The first is this, you know, 
nothing matters more than than your title in the professional world. And a title is always really, you know, when you apply for a job, you, you really need to ask what the title is going to be because, and then you want to know, am I qualified for the title and what's the job description? But if you look at this idea of royal priesthood, think about royal. That word royal means that it's the highest status in, you know, the Roman world. Priesthood would be the highest status in the Jewish world. So here you have Peter essentially giving you the highest title available in the known in the world. There is no higher title than you can receive than the royal priesthood. Now, if this is confusing to you, you know, you can look through there's some theological continuity all through the Old Testament and you also see in Isaiah 61 this isn't an unusual name for a Jewish audience, you know, and, and, and us reading today. We're told in scripture, you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of God. And, you know, in Exodus 19, you know, we would have thought of that, you know, a Jewish audience would have thought of that. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And, you know, there's a shock when you read this description, because if you read the Old Testament, you know, people died. They broke out in leprosy if they tried to claim the title of priest. This was an inherited status. You could never have this title unless you were born into the right family. You, you not only had to be a Levite, you had to be from the, descended from Aaron. You were set apart. You were consecrated. You were appointed. I mean, this is profound. And there's so little talking about it. I don't I don't know anything about this idea of the royal priesthood other than because of Jesus, he took on the role of our great high priest once and for all. And so we become priests who are able to enter into the presence of God. We have we carry the sacrifice of Jesus with us and there's all these parallels to the Old Testament. In fact, you can read a beautiful sermon by Charles Spurgeon called the consecration the consecration of priests delivered in November 15th, 1874, he said, you know, if you look at everything happening in the priests, to the priests in the Old Testament, Jesus is fulfilling kind of all of the requirements of the priesthood. So by the time you read 1 Peter 2.9, you're like, well, of course, this is my new title. And, and here are just a few of them. You know, in the Old Testament, a priest had to be washed to enter the presence of God. That's why it makes so much sense when you hear that we're washed by the blood of the land. Jesus is washing us and providing our qualifications for the priesthood. You know, if you read, you know, ex, you know, Leviticus, Numbers, you're like, why is there all this special clothing? The priest had to wear special clothing. So in the New Testament, as you read this idea that we're clothed with robes of righteousness, with robes of salvation, that we have the armor of God, that's Jesus clothing us and providing our qualification for this priesthood. The priest had to have a special anointing. It was oil that showed he was anointed. And so it's so powerful in Acts 1-8 when you see that anointing by the Holy Spirit that you receive power. You know, the priests had to burn incense. Why? It's this aroma that was pleasing to the Lord. That, that That's so powerful because Christ becomes our aroma. Three times in the New Testament, we're told that because, you know, we're the aroma of Christ, that, that Jesus becomes the aroma we need and provides our qualification for the priesthood. But most notably, the priest couldn't go anywhere without this sin offering. And here we have our sin offering, Jesus. Ephesians and Hebrews both tell us that we enter the throne of grace with confidence um, because of Jesus. Now, remember, I'm not a theologian. I'm just your average Bible reader trying to figure this out. But I'm going to tell you this. Spurgeon says this, do not act as any at any time as if you were not a priest. 
He says, we are to go forth as priests and declare the virtue of the atoning sacrifice. Do not at any time act as if you were not priests. Do not, I beseech you, dishonor your sacred character. I charge you, brothers and sisters, continually bring of your substance, continually bring of your talent, continually bring of your influence. If God is God and if you are his priests, serve him. Now that's how my podcast is going to begin for now and the next few that as you join me, here's my question. What do I do with this title that I have? I am a royal priest. What is a New Testament royal priest? Well, I found three job descriptions that unite the behavior of Old Testament priests with the New Testament royal priesthood. And you're going to be really excited as I am that a priest does three things that are consistent in the New Testament. They step forward to pronounce blessing in the name of the Lord. They teach God's word to people and they, are you ready for it? They consecrate their lives. We're going to talk in the next couple weeks about how you can fully step into that title. But for now, I just want you to know if you're not happy with your title and you feel insecure, you have been given the title of royal priest. You enter the throne room of God with confidence and you have the highest title available to anyone in the world. So if you're feeling insecure, just know that Peter has called you part of a royal priesthood. So join us next week on The Verb to learn more about what it means to pronounce a blessing in the name of the Lord wherever you go. Thanks so much. I can't wait to see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Verb with Heather Holloman. If you'd like to stay connected, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And remember, new episodes every Friday. This episode was brought to you by my friends at Moody Publishers. I have loved publishing my books with Moody because they donate every dollar of profit to the Moody Bible Institute. So when you purchase my book, you help train the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about my books with Moody Publishers at heatherholloman.com.